Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Before we start the pod this week, I just want to give a shout out to Ruse Clothing. They're our partner for the next couple of weeks. And they're a company where fashion meets family, uh, based in Teesside, and they want to create a brand which identified with them and it was fueled by frustration of not having the designs that they wanted. So they decided to embark on their own journey instead. So if you want to find out a little bit more about them, do give them a follow on the social media channels and also go to the website at www.ruseclo.co.uk uk forward slash board breakdown that link is in the description of the podcast provider and on youtube as well but for right now let's talk about the defeat against coventry the news from the week look ahead to huddersfield again and we enter your podcast questions this is the board breakdown podcast and this is why board match day chatter in a pod support curtis fleming is there on the edge of the air fleming for That's craig it. hignett hit it higgy higgy it's the track coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abinelli spots out. Emerson! Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Board Podcast that gives you all of your boring match day chatter in a podcast and Bora have lost the second league game in a row uh it's first time since 2007 2008 and um, however we we did win a game uh this week we beat Huddersfield 3-2 in the Carabao Cup guys thank you very much for joining me as always Dana we're gonna keep with the theme of takeouts because I feel like it went well last week and this went well on on the old Twitter as well um but one key takeout or a couple of key takeouts from the from the week Oh, I think, unfortunately, we are in a rebuild again. And I absolutely hate that word. We have said it so many times in this podcast since we started podcasting. But we are. We're in a transition period again, unfortunately. Um, I really hoped that it wouldn't be the case. I really hoped that it would just be building on what we had last season but it just seems as though we have taken several steps back and I'm so bored because I feel like deja vu from last season that we started last season incredibly slowly I was saying these buzzwords like rebuild one step forward two steps back and here we are again and also my other takeout is that I do not want Borough to play Coventry again especially at the CBS I opt out of that so Borough should opt out of that as well it's like Orquell level trauma. So no more CBS, please. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I still hate going to Oakwell. I'm not gonna lie, but I'll always That's... go. I'll always every season when they're in the you know when they, they do the championship one year and then they go back into the league one. So I always <laughs> go. I always go every other year and just not always the same. You wish you didn't. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I haven't been to the CBS actually, so I feel like I need to maybe tick that one off the list potentially next year. Who, who knows? Um, who knows? But Tom, what's your your key takeout from the week? Uh, we desperately need reinforcements. Is is my key takeout? Looking at our team yesterday, and of course against Millwall as well, we just look incomplete. We're we're far from. From being the the team, I think we will be by the end of the window. Akpom potentially leaving as well doesn't really help that. It just means we're going to need to make more signings. And I think the signings have to be experienced, first-team ready players. I, I do like the the project that we've had uh, of buying these kind of like hidden gems and you know trying to coach them up so that they've got resale value, etc. And you could could argue it's already had some success, you know, with the the sales of like Spence, Tav, and now potentially Akbom. But yeah, we, we we've got we've got to be adding these first team quality, experienced players, and you need to be looking players in the prime of their career. And as as you know, hard as that may be to to find, you know, I'm, I'm not suggesting we potentially take. However much we have for Akpom, you know, reports it might be around 13 mil. Not suggesting we go out and sign another player for 13 mil because you're not going to replace Akpom. You're not going to be able to spend all that money to get someone to drop down to the championship. It's more than likely going to be spread across a few players. But that is the type of quality that we need in the team at the moment. We do need some some form of first team ready players within that 11. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with with you both. To be honest, like around like the week that we've had, but I think I'm going to go with for my key takeouts. I'm going to go with uh, the term lack of speed. Lack of speed. It can be like translated into multiple things. Really, I'm not just mean like on pace on the pitch, but I think that you know speed in terms of decision making. I think we looked like really slow, dejected, and not wanting to to take the initiative. I thought the tempo was off fullbacks have been quite poor. I think if we look at the game yesterday, just in isolation, I thought we were absolutely terrible. Um, and I never, ever really slate us too much. But I thought we were really poor from start to finish. You know, it comes back to that decision-making process. We were a bit too slow. We played really narrow and played in their hands a little bit. But the tempo was really off. It has been the last couple of games. The fullbacks, I think it really does highlight that we really need effective fullbacks to really embrace like the the way that Carrick wants to play but then finally I think the lack uh, of assertiveness and taking a game to a, a to a, an opposition I think the last couple of games we've not really done that I think you know I want someone to to come in it doesn't have to be someone who's physical it just has to be someone who because I think we, we did lose out on a, a lot of jewels yesterday but I want someone to come in and take the game to someone be like take the game by scruff the neck and score right this is our game now even if it takes like, a tackle, like Johnny Housen's quite good at it, but I just need someone to come in and, and really take the game by the scruff of the neck. And I think like, we just lack that assertiveness at the moment. And that might come with what you were saying there, Tom, around bringing more experience into the fold. The need for the centre defensive midfielder, I think, is is very glaring at the moment. And also just try to expand the pitch as well. I think that we, we play two, we're playing two an hour at the minute just because of the fullbacks that we've got. Big picture. I don't think it'll happen in about four or five games. But I think right now it was frustrating, like really frustrating yesterday in terms I went away, commentary didn't create 
like big chances we gave them big opportunities in terms of the def- obviously the deflection happens the own goal it happens the set piece horrendous but nothing else happened in the game so it was like well come on we need to improve but anyway we'll come to that in in just a moment but yeah my key takeout was just a lack of speed and it's, and it's probably a speed and assertiveness but Let's chat about a win. Um, you know, we, we did win uh, this week. Um, not all doom and gloom uh, on this podcast there. You know, we beat Huddersfield in the middle of the week, won 3-2, goals from Silvera Jones and Riley McGree sealed a, a win. And the first time we're in the, the second round of the Cup in three years. We're on the Ooh. road. We're on the road to Wembley. But since we can go at the game, we can, we can go, could we? So we got our... Arani pie in the sky, Rob's report. Uh, so we spoke to Rob Fletcher to give us an, an overview of the game. Borough eventually recorded a good win in midweek at Huddersfield. A couple of things to talk about from the game, really. It was quite a poor start, to be honest. Obviously, the mistake from Rav for the first goal basically came from Huddersfield putting a lot of pressure on our two central defenders and two central midfielders, which could be something that we see teams do quite a bit this year, making that sort of box around our players when we try and play it out. I do think we need to try and stretch the play if that's the case, using Silvera, Jones, Force, even Rodgers as the wide players to kind of try and get us a little bit more space. In that central midfield area, Hackney and Barlas didn't look great, to be honest, in the first half. They didn't have a lot of penetrative passes, a lot of sideways passing. Barlasa in particular looked quite immobile, not great on the ball. We know he's a good passer, but he's got to do a little bit more than that for me in this midfield. Sammy Silvera was a real threat, and obviously we saw that with his goal, similar to Isaiah Jones, if not in his limited way. In terms of Rav Vandenberg, obviously his mistake led to the goal, but the rest of that half, he was quite assured. He was quite confident next to Lenahan, and those two looked like quite a good partnership, to be honest. Morgan Rogers seems to be more of a hold-up man rather than someone who gets in behind like Archer, and that was what we were missing in the first half. So it was quite good to see Sammy Silvera come in, play that sort of Cameron Archer number nine role, trying to get in behind, trying to be aggressive, trying to run with the ball, and he actually did a really, really good job of it. He looked like an excellent player in that position. Still great out wide, but really good um, in that number nine role. Paddy McNair was sort of the free man, if you like, against 10-minute right back, so we tried to recycle the ball quite a bit through him. He still looks very limited in that role, probably similar to how Tommy Smith would be. So if there is someone who we could sort of put in there that's more aggressive on the ball, I think that'll be a little bit better. Barlas has started to then dictate play a little bit more in the second half. Obviously got his assist in the second half as well, which was pretty good. Housen looked good when he came on, especially next to Barlasa. I thought they, those two worked really well. Housen, I think we missed that little bit of experience in the centre of the pitch as well, which is always a positive to have him there. And one of the main things was when Riley McGree came on, he looked a different class of player to everybody else on that pitch. Really good on the ball, really good technically, could use it well, dribbled well, brought other people into play. And I think he, as most people think now, he's one of our best players, one of our most impactful players. And I wonder if we can tweak that Tuberak-Pom role to fit Riley McGree and have more of our attacking players out wide and in that number nine role. Because if we are going to get pressed as much as we were in that game, we probably do need a third player who's good on the ball to try and work around that press. Overall, plenty of work to do, but some encouraging signs definitely in that second half. There's definitely a theme there in terms of work to do, but I just want to give a shout out to Rob as well because he does some really good work with the Boromag. Um, Boromag is his little baby and it's a magazine. It has loads of stories and tales in it every month or so. Um, but do give him a follow. It's uh, at Borough underscore mag. Do uh, subscribe to their, their email subscription list, which comes out every Monday. And also, yeah, go and get a Boromag as well because there's so many, I think there's four or five volumes now, isn't there? And mm-hmm. it's really starting to, to grow and you have contributed to it as well. But let, let's move on. 
let's move on to Coventry. You know, we, we got beat 3-0 yesterday. Gordon Wright and Elena Hanon goal give Coventry all three points at the CBS. And we've not scored a three games in a row against Coventry. Uh, so it's not particularly great. But Tom, there was two changes to the side against Millwall. So Vera and, and Jones came in after really good games uh, against Huddersfield. Some agree and force. Do you think, obviously, individuals coming in, it changed the dynamic. Do you think that it maybe helped or hinder Boris play yesterday? It definitely changed the uh, changed the dynamic in that McGree and Force aren't really what I'd class as, as wide players, whereas Sil- Silvera and Jones are. Definitely made us a little bit more direct in terms of runs down the wing, and you know I think we were possibly trying to work on our delivery from those wide areas because we saw in the the Millwall game it wasn't particularly good from the amount of you know throw-ins we gave away from our crosses. So, yeah, I, I think that's what we were going for. I, I just I don't think it necessarily paid off. I, I wouldn't have even necessarily said it was a bad thing, just trying to change that up. It's just, I feel like it's the two, in, two players in the middle, which is, is going to affect the wide players every time, no matter what kind of combination that we have there. Because... Rogers for me still isn't a striker. I'm still seeing no signs of that in any of the games that we've played, and I, I just feel like the game passes Crooks by when he's at number ten. I don't really think that that he does anything to the same kind of level that uh, you know he doesn't have that influence that that a number ten should have on the game, like we saw from Akpom. But Rob just made a, a a good point there, and you know trying to put McGree into that number ten role. I really agree with that. I think. Riley McGree would do excellently in that role and you know be be able to kind of like play through the the middle as well as you know release those wide players as well so I'd like to see the changes in the middle between those two two players even drop Rogers back if we want to try that but yeah I, I don't want to see a combination of, of Crooks and Rogers in the next game in those two positions hopefully we'll either try something different or have reinforcements in by that point yeah and Denery, Carrick is still committing to, to Rogers up front. You know, he said in the last podcast that if you didn't see Marcus Force up top in at least one of the games, that'll be it. Um, do you think that's pretty much it and, until another striker or two comes in? Appreciate Emmanuel Latte. Laugh is, is also heavily linked and it could be done this week. But what do you think? He's not gonna he's not gonna change, is he, until another two strikers come in? No, I don't think so. I mean, he has He's well within his right to try to experiment because he did so with Aquam and it paid dividends last season. So I can definitely see why he's trying to do something similar there. But yeah, I think it's fair to say that Marcus Wallace is not considered an option through the middle because if he was, then he probably would have played there when he came on yesterday. So for me, Marcus Wallace is an out-and-out right midfielder from this point onwards, which is... I don't agree with that personally because I think Marcus Force is a really good finisher when presented opportunities. And I just think he should be he should at least get a chance there. If Morgan Rogers is getting a chance as a number nine, then Marcus Force should too. But obviously Michael Carrick seems to see fit to play Morgan Rogers there. Maybe he wants a little bit more of a mix in terms of approach from a striker coming short and stretching the play. Although to be fair, we're not really seeing that anyway as it stands. So yeah, I think he's gonna keep things as as they are until Emmanuel Latilath comes in. Yeah, I think there will be more. I mean, I don't think Emmanuel Latilath is going to be the, the one. I think there's going to have to be two or three uh, that we'll look to, to bring in, especially if Corburn ends up going to, to Plymouth, um, which is the the old rumour. But Dana, how would you assess the, over, the overall 
game yesterday because it felt a little bit flat afterwards, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. How did, how did you feel? Yeah, I said it on BBC Tees. They sucked the soul out of me yesterday. I was watching England women and I was so overjoyed for them getting through to the semi-finals of the Women's World Cup. And then... I switched the TV immediately to the Borough game and I should have known to mentally prepare myself for the impending doom that Borough would have put me through. But honestly, I was so despondent at the end of the game. I did not want to talk to anybody because it was a really poor performance, really, really poor. Our passing was abysmal. There were no penetrative passes. And then when we did try to progress the play and try to stretch Coventry, the passes were so overhit. It was very unlike Borough because I feel like we are good in possession and our past selection, our past decision-making, last season anyway, under Carrick, was very good. They were so off. Our movement, we were very static. Then when we did see movement and we did try to get in behind, again, the passing was really bad. Morgan Rogers again, I feel really bad for Rogers because he seems to get noted every podcast it's not his fault this isn't his role we actually switched it in the second half and Crooks played as the the number nine and Morgan Rogers played as the number 10 and we actually had a decent spell it still wasn't great but it was better than the first half and it coincided with Morgan Rogers playing deeper he got on the ball he was driving at them a lot more he was in that right hand half space and he looks good so there's positive within that I think that there is promise in Morgan Rogers at, at number 10 but I don't see it with him as number nine. I'm going to sound like a broken record saying that every week if it continues. But honestly, the difference, there was a start difference in the number 10. Casey Palmer didn't have the ball a lot for Coventry, but when he did have it, he was dropping deep. He was connecting the player because Borough had a man mark on Ben Sheaf and Josh Eccles at times. So that service from the centre-backs, from Cal McFadgeen and, and the likes, was going straight through our midfield to Casey Palmer because he was dropping deep. Conversely, Crooks just wasn't there. Had the lowest amount of touches in the game with 26, I believe was anonymous pretty much and it's not the fault of crooks either because that's not his position so it's very square pegs and round holes let's be honest it was square pegs and round holes last last season because we had different you know we had max force playing right midfield for example but it worked right now it's not working the system is really weird in that again comparing it to last season the fullback which was ryan giles in this case had that left hand side to himself very high, very wide. You see with Hayden Coulson, as you pointed out in pre-season, Johnny, inverting, coming in central. It knocks the balance. It's not very complimentary of the pieces of the players that we have because whoever's in front of it, be it Ronnie McGree and Sammy Silvera, they can't really come in field themselves and have so much of an influence on the game because there's no outlet on that left-hand side that basically allows that to happen. Um, so it's just yeah it's very narrow we're not stretching the play we're not there's no real outlet there's just a lot of things that aren't settled right now and Michael Carrick is experimenting and at the moment it's not working and that was another example the commentary game of it not working yeah and it was interesting that you mentioned a little bit a little bit earlier in that when you were saying about like penetrative pass passing you know obviously Hackney to Sil Silvera was the the main pass of or the, the most passes in the game but after that, Hackney had obviously received and give the most passes throughout the game. But everything mm. else was either to Coulson, McNair or Balassa. So like it was just like, well, if he's only being able to pass that and that's the combination that we've got, then that kind of shows that we're playing from side to side and not try to be a bit more dynamic. And Balassa was exactly the same for that as well. But Tom, how would you rate things as well? I want to get your thoughts as well, because it didn't really feel like a 
a three nil game, did it? It was like I feel like the scoreline definitely flattered uh, Coventry. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that. It really wasn't a three nil game at all. You said earlier they didn't really create any massive chances or anything like that. We kind of gave them to them the first goal. I, th- I think we were quite unlucky to concede that. It's typical that that bounce would go straight into the path of uh, of Matty Gordon. Second goal, I think we we should be better from from a set piece, and then you, you can't really do anything about a deflected third goal either. It did flatter them a bit, and of course we had a big chance. We, we had a, another one as well, which arguably Jones should have done better from. So you know, put one of them away to different game, but yeah, it, it definitely wasn't a three 0 game. It's not like Coventry came out and absolutely played us off the pitch or anything like that. They weren't that good in in that game and. I think two weeks running, it's it's saying that about teams as well because Millwall were the same. Like they looked like another team who just kind of come out of of, of pre season, bit like us, but they were the better of the two. But I'm hoping this isn't going to be a recurring theme, and it's just that we don't turn up to to games fully, and then teams don't even have to play at their best to beat us. Mm. When I'm looking at commentary yesterday, like obviously, um, is, this, is it Sakamoto? Is that right? I, I got that right. Yeah, Sakamoto. Yeah, I was, I was like thinking that was it Sakamoto or Sakamoto? And I was like, I was like trying to think, make sure. But yeah, yeah, he looks like a great find for them. But in terms of creativity, I would worry a little bit. I think longer term, I think they do have to invest keep, uh, still Coventry to improve themselves further because I think the chances yesterday there wasn't many, and yes, they got three, but. You can't always rely on opposition mistakes to create chances. I think they need to do a little bit more. But, you know, that happens That happens in, in, in games. But, Tom, we, we talk about defining moments and how a pendulum can swing just if someone scores a, a chance. And Sammy Silvera, four or five yards out on a plate. If that goes in, how would you think the game fares up? You know what? I think at that point we could go on to find a winner if, uh, if, if Silvera had scored that. It did... Did come around the time where we were having a decent spell in the game. I think, as Dana mentioned earlier, it come after half time once Crooks and Rogers had had switched around and we were looking better. He's desperately unlucky to miss that, though. I think Ben Wilson's done well to to get out and make himself big for it, but you need to be hitting the target from there. And I think for Silvera as well, this is possibly an example of of what we heard in his lowdown video where he's very much kind of a confidence player because he'd have gone into this game full of confidence after the last couple of displays. And then there were quite a lot of times in the first half where he was trying to get around his man, he was getting shoved off the ball, he was trying stuff that wasn't coming off. I was just thinking his his head's going to go down if this keeps happening and then to miss a chance like that, it's obviously going to go down further. And I think um, everyone listening will have played with someone in seven aside who has been similar like just nothing's going for them that game, so they're going to get more and more frustrated and miss more and more chances. So, yeah, very unlucky for Silvera. I think it's going to be going to be a test of kind of mental strength to put it behind him for the next game, and probably a, a strength for the the coaches to to help him through that as well. But I mean, he he does always look positive on the ball and tries to to make things happen. So, fingers crossed, he can put him put it behind him quickly and and get back to normal next game. But yeah, I think he scores that. We're we're looking at a different game yesterday. Yeah, and I think what you mentioned there, Tom, is is really uh, about around confidence. You know, we we spoke about it so many times this podcast, and you know, we've got a young team already. If things don't go the way, how does confidence go up or go down? Like how? And I think it's very difficult for young players sometimes when you're in that rut to try and get out of it, and the ability to 
take one take the game by scruff neck, and then also to take a chance as well. You don't want to play it too safe as well. So I'm very keen to to see like how you know we've had a couple of defeats now. Can we potentially get that behind us, kick on again, um, and hopefully start to pick up the results? But I, I do think we will. Um, I think we will, um, you know, over time we'll get better and better. I said on our preview show that I think we will probably have a slow start and then hopefully get better. I hope that comes true. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, but in terms of our recruitment, it could be a master stroke. You know, it might just click and we'd be in the, in the playoffs or uh, playoffs eventually. Or it could be a, a tenth to twelfth and built uh, next season. So it could be it just could be either or I think this year. But then just on the final point of of the Coventry game, we've betted, and I don't want to go too much into XG because it's not the end of the world. You know, you know, there's so many defining parts of, of football. But I just found it very interesting that we've betted Coventry's XG in the last three or four games, but we've yet to register a goal and they've went on to to win two of them. So wh- why do you think that is? Why can't Borough, you know, like they, they are better in the chances, but they're just not putting them away. But why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, we should have scored yesterday. We all know why Silvera didn't because he was leaning back. And I feel like every time a player leans back, you know what the outcome is going to be. It's going to be high and wide, blazing at Rose Z. So, it, yeah, that was... I would say unfortunate. The pass was a little bit behind him. He had to readjust his body position and yeah, it was never going to go in, was it, when he was leaning back. I think it's easy to cluster the games together because it's it's quite unusual to play the same team four out of the last five games. I mean, I'm sick of Coventry. Mm, unheard of, yeah. Yeah, it's very unusual, but just different setups. I, I'm not going to cluster them. I think you probably will in terms of trying to identify key patterns, but we should have scored yesterday. So like you have discussed, if that goes in, it's 1-1. One, one. The game opens up a little bit, and I think that Borough could have potentially hit Coventry on the counter-attack, but also Coventry pulls a threat on the counter-attack themselves. So it would have been a very interesting game. It would have changed the complexion of it. So, yeah, maybe we're just cursed. To be honest, maybe we are just cursed. I don't know. We, it was unfortunate we didn't score yesterday because I th- we should have. I'm going to talk about XG. We did better them, uh, as you said. I think it was 0.95 for Coventry, 1.33 for us. Uh, Silvera's chance accounted for 0.58 XG. Uh, so, yeah, we probably should have scored, but, yeah, we didn't. We're just cursed. I hate Coventry. Put them in the bin. Put them in the bin with Orkwell in their stadium and Barnsley. <laughs> Uh, as as Grant Levitt famously once said, that's football. Um, that's but you once know what, I've, said. I've been, uh, he said it many times. You know, Several I, times I did. Said. Yeah. I heard it sound like on his journal, like on journal on your door mat when you like you walk in the house. Like that's, it's just got that there when he wipes his feet, he just goes that's football. Everything's that's football. Um, but you know, I thought there's stuff to to look at from the game. And I just looked at systems and I'm looking at Bora and I'm thinking, how can we get out of this little rut a little bit? How can we improve things? How can we tweak stuff? Just out of very much interest, to be honest. Um, and I know that we are playing the 4 one slash 4 but I'm kind of of the assumption that I think a 4 could be the way to go. And I know like systems and stuff like that, the only really formations are kind of just like a, a starting point. And then the, as the game progresses, you know, you, you kind of rotate in the different shapes. The four four two in general, though, I think it has so many like different benefits. You know, it's like it's quite simple. It you know allows you give, gives you balance like forward defensively. Allows you to rotate in systems quite a lot. It allows you to rotate and also it allows you to protect most of the space on the pitch. And I think a lot of what Carrick was saying, 
yesterday around we have to be better outside uh, off the ball. Sorry, this will probably help us a little bit more. We don't really have much of a good shape and we're off the pitch. I think we're quite easily to play against with the wingers as well. And in this 4-4-2, like I'm, I'm looking at, I want my wingers to invert. And then once we do get the full backs in, we're able to utilize them as the space. I think at the moment, our full backs are also inverting, our wingers are inverting, and then we're becoming very, very narrow. And I can't, it's kind of shown really, because as Bora progress in normal games, in, uh, in uh, 3 2 5, really, and how I'd want Bora to play, and you can see this through a lot of teams, and the way 3 2 5 really works is because you have to have physicality across all ends of the pitch. But if you're moving with 3 2 5 and you have wing backs that go really wide, um, you're able to like create like 5v5 in attacking areas. You know, you've got like a, a four versus three in the midfield technically because you've created your own little box. And then as you move the defense along, you do create that ball from side to side. But also with that, I, I noticed Aston Villa do this really well. We did it last year. Obviously, I don't want to mention it yesterday because I did get uh, trumped by the Jordies. But what they were very, very good at last year was making in something into like more of like a 2 2 kind of six, really, because. What was able to happen is you'd bring the wide players in and then you'd have your wing backs that would stretch out to give you the space that you need. And then also you've got the two defensive midfielders. So you've got your own little box, which in defense. So you've got really an advantage, like a man advantage across all lines of the pitch is what you'll tend to find. Looking at Bora yesterday, there is slight tweaks to what I was mentioning there on like a 4-4-2 because how we were set up really looking at the average positions, Crooks was playing in more of a central position. He was playing very close to, to Hackney and Balassa in like a 4-3-3. Rodgers became isolated and really static because he didn't have the support in person with him. Our wingers, who you'd want to stay really wide, didn't because they became inverted. And then since that Coulson McNair, mainly central players, I, I do think they are. When they become more central, you, the width becomes the edge of the box really. So then when you look at how Coventry play, they tend to have a very compact shape. They don't like to spread themselves too thinly in wide areas. And like you were saying there earlier, Dana, around having like width and trying to stretch games. In action for, for Bora, really, we did a little bit. We moved from like four like four v four in attacking areas, a three v three in midfield and a two v two like in defense areas. But with uh Coulson I want him to be so much wider. I want him to stretch teams. And I think this comes back when the fullbacks that you know, we're bringing in uh, Engel. And I think that'd be a really good sign. He's a very similar profile to uh, Ryan Giles. And I think we really miss Ryan Giles at the moment, to be honest, because he was able to, when we were able to move games across, when you're playing from right to left, you what you do is on that right-hand side, you're trying to stretch, bring a team over one side so you create space on the other side for Giles. So then Giles would run forward into a load of space, get the ball into Akpom and we'd score a goal. Coulson doesn't really do that, so it's quite frustrating for us to watch. But in terms of like that small tweak, it was very similar to what we were doing yesterday. I just didn't think we were, we were wide enough in terms of on the ball, but to be honest, but then when you look at off-the-ball stuff, I think it's just a case of can we maybe move into like a 4 1 4 1 system? I think it's just like it's very easy. I think at the moment, I think we're moving to a 4 4 2 very, very, very slightly. Since we get transitioned against quite quickly, we don't really fall back into the shape as much uh, as I want us to. But if we do move into that 4 1 4 1 against a team who likes to have more of the ball, like a Southampton, etc., I think this could be the way to go. So you'd maybe bring Crooks into that central line. You'd maybe have a defensive midfielder, which we don't have and I would really want us to invest in one and then also you try and keep a compact shape so then when you do 
break you've got the space to to run into because players will commit the body forward. But I think the three takeaways I probably have from that from mid movement with four four two is that slight tweaks make a big difference. That one percent difference is if you get a wing back to go wider, then you've created more space. You need to stretch teams, and then secondly, the need of a fullback. I think we need probably one or two. I think that. Obviously, we, we all know that McNair is not a fullback. We all know that Coulson that could probably play in a central position, really. I just don't think I don't it's not his fault, really. It's just not the right profile that we have at the moment. So you can you can slag him off and do all this, but at the end of the day, he's doing a job at the moment. Is he going to probably be the first team left back at the end of the month? I don't think he is, but I think he's been doing relatively okay. And then there's the need for a defensive midfielder. So coming back to the start of what we were talking about earlier in the key takeouts that need of assertiveness we don't have that assertive person that will like to drive games forwards and i think that can be only be managed in the transfer window and that position is very very difficult to find there is players out there though like in the european leagues there's some players in 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 the football leagues i think there's a player at peter but i mean me and watford luke were talking about last night and we were just saying like we just need to bring someone in just to fit the profile which could hopefully make us a little bit better but yeah, there's plenty of tweaks to have. I'm pretty sure that Michael Carrick will not watch this video and be like, oh, that's a good idea. But it's just small tweaks, <laughs> it's ideas, and it's just like how games could potentially change. Um, but there is work to do. There is so much work to do, and I think we'll definitely get there. But let's move on. Let's move on to questions, because each week you get the chance uh, to send us a question uh, via Twitter, borough underscore breakdown. Uh, email the breakdown at hotmail.com or by joining our Telegram chat with all the 370 Borough fans in there just chatting nothing. Bora at all well we did actually a little bit about yesterday but apart from that nothing much uh, at all but the first question is from Dave and he says poor squad selection how does Crooks keep starting up front is it time to stop hoping that Jones will come good Dana do you want to take this one how does Crooks keep starting up front Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I guess Michael Carrick just doesn't have the options that he that he wants to. But the counter argument of that is that you've literally got Marcus Force in your squad. I will say, and I said this on the last podcast as well, that Michael Carrick has to shoulder some responsibility for the for the defeat. Because I, again, I think the the team selection was quizzical, really. I mean, Riley McGree coming on with ten minutes to go, when in my opinion he's one of our most influential players, one of our best players. That was interesting. I don't know whether Riley McGree had a knock or he was ill, or there was something that essentially enabled that to happen and, and for him to only come on with 10 minutes to go. I think that was a decision that I, I didn't agree with. Yeah, the insistence on playing Rodgers in a position that just doesn't suit him and doesn't suit Middlesbrough, also very, very interesting. With Jones, I really want to give Jones time. The podcast that he did in the off-season, I think opened up a lot of, well, it answered a lot of the questions from last season. And I think we just need to be a bit more patient with him. And people will say, well, he's been in this team for, like, what, two seasons now? He should be performing. But the thing that I've always, or the issue that I've always had with Jones is just his technique. Like, who am I to talk about technique? But, like, when I watch him, his crossing's just very odd. And I don't know whether you use like think the same but there were a few crosses again yesterday where he spooned it out and it just he's very good when he gets the byline and when he cuts it back maybe we just need to play to that strength because Isaiah Jones when he was doing that under Chris Wilder was very very good that doesn't change because of his form after that he was a very very good fullback under a a wing back under Chris Wilder when he was getting to the byline and cutting it back it worked incredibly well maybe we just try to get that happening again but the team selection the past two games, I must admit, has been has been weird because again, broke a record, Dana strikes again. But just play Marcus Force through the middle. If Morgan Rogers is getting that opportunity through the middle, why isn't Marcus Force? Yeah, and, and just on the Jones point as well, I think it comes from his like his second to last touch. So like the, the touch before he hits the cross in, I think he's either not hitting it enough in front of himself or he's hitting not hitting it enough. So he's, he's not getting the the whip around it do you know what I mean I think at the moment I think sometimes his crosses they become a bit like diagonal rather than hooking right rounds like Dan Ballas is very very good at hooking the ball around so mm. you know maybe speak to Dan Ballas I, I don't know um I'm not the guy to to make things uh, better for you but yeah I think that's probably the reason why that we're not seeing that I think it's just the case of like his second last touch it's just probably not he's not hitting it enough in front of himself to kind of give him the opportunity to really whip it but let's move on. Um, it's from P302, and it says, is this season a write-off? Uh, looks like we saw the quality sides uh, going down and brought in youngsters to bed in to prepare for a bash next year. The difference uh, with us and Coventry, who also lost a star striker and top sister, is stark. They reinvested. They have spent, well, I think, $30 million now. And we haven't. Is it long-term planning? So, Tom, is this season a write-off? No. Absolutely not. I mean, I was looking at the table yesterday. You know, Sunderland are pretty much in the same position we are, and Leeds are one point above. I don't think either of those teams are going to be looking at this and thinking it's a write-off, especially Leeds, who've you know just got uh, Daniel Farker and are going to be looking to to get promoted on well rebound back to the Premier League on first time of asking. 
And I suppose there's other examples as well uh, of even similar situations to what we find ourselves in at the moment. You look at Sheffield United, the year they went up under Chris Wilder, got hammered 3-0 by a Tony Pulis Borough team in their second game and (laughs) still ended up going up automatically. I I don't think they... Well, at that time, they might have been losing it a little bit and thinking the season's a write-off, but it just goes to show that it's not... There's still 44 games to go. And... I have confidence that come the end of the transfer window, we'll be a different looking team. We've potentially got a, a loss of Akpom to come and hopefully funds to reinvest there. I suppose the the difference between us and Coventry there is, you know, they've lost their top scorer and top assister, but they've received fees for both of them. We haven't yet lost our top scorer and our top assister was on loan, so we haven't even received any money from that. I think the last big fees that we had were last season, weren't they? I can't remember selling... Mm anyone for for a massive fee this season yet so yeah hopefully we will reinvest that and by the end of the transfer window we we will have some quality in the team to to get us you know moving forward yeah and we were third bottom in october november last year so so were coventry as well so i mean mm, look, look there. yeah they're rock bottom didn't have a stadium all things were falling apart and now look what happened so that's what ball things change quickly. Um, uh, <laughs> last question though, Dana Stewart says, Do you still think we're, we're top two? And do you? If I was to retract that prediction now, it would be as silly as me making it in the first place. Because as Tom said, there's 44 games to play, we're two games into the season. The glorious thing about the championship is that you do not have to be anywhere near perfect to get promoted automatically. If Scott Parker's Bournemouth can get second Mm. place, then anything can happen. We have seen teams in this division over the past couple of seasons accelerate. I think Tom uh, made a good mention there that I completely forgot about Sheffield United under Chris Wilder, the start of, what was it, 2018-19 that season? Forest, very notable example where they were terrible. When we played them at the city ground, when Chris Hewton was their manager, they looked so far off it, it was untrue. They looked like relegation candidates Mm. and they ended up going up. You know, last season, Coventry, rock bottom, one penalty kick away from the Premier League. Even Luton didn't have, I mean, they didn't start as slowly as what ourselves and Coventry did, but they were meddling mid-table. And then they had a, a really good run, really good progression. They kept it going and then they got promoted. It is not out of the realms of possibility that Borough have a slow start and be at least on the cusp of success. So yes, it might seem absolutely ridiculous that I said second. I think that it is ridiculous that I said second but it's not impossible that it could happen and I'm not going to retract that statement two games into the season. Just to add a couple of examples on the other end of the spectrum there as well, I'm pretty sure we would keep QPR top at some point in the uh, early stages of last season and Blackburn were constantly like within about a point of automatics until they Mm. dropped off late on so I think when we played Blackburn at Blackburn so this was like around the turn of the year it was yeah it was around the turn it was uh, just before the the new year they were like third or something look where they finished outside the club places weren't we like 10th as well at the point at that point 8th to 10th i don't think we were in the playoffs we weren't yeah we were i don't think we were in the playoffs no yeah yeah we were working our way back up yeah i don't even think cameron archer had signed by then or even ramsey saw yeah See, it can all change. It's the championship, you know? Like, that is the crazy nature of the league. And yes, we've said on the podcast, like, today that there is improvement to be made. And I agree, and there is, like, let's, 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 yeah. let's state the obviously, 100%. like, we need to improve. Um, but, you know, that one signing 
that one moment, that like that one goal, that one decision, that can completely change a whole season. So I think that you know, although there's there's that aspect of things are over, we're terrible, Gibson out, all this kind of stuff, it can change in a heartbeat. And I think that we need to have that context of it as well. Yes, it's a slow start, but we could still 100% be up there. And I'm very confident that we we still will be. There's always time in football and we just need to give this moment time as well, even though we're not in the best possible shape. But let's move on uh, to the praise and place now because the praise and place is the place where to give praise to Dana's lovely shirt, which she's wearing today. Which is What, what brand is it again, Dana? Um, it's Kittenborn. It is a Euro 96 nod, I guess. It was the Euro 2021 or whatever, the COVID Euro uh, special shirt. So it's ice cream, mm, so basically. Yeah, Summer of 96. It's a nice design shirt. And speaking of <laughs> shirts as well, Tom is is wearing a, an all one or two borrow away kit today. And that pedals quite nicely into our Borough Breakdown Limited uh, Edition shirt. So it is an alternative away shirt. It is only available uh, for the first batch anyway until next week. So if you do want it, the link is in the description of this podcast and your provider. It'll be on our social media channel as well. But do get it. It is a beautiful shirt. I cannot wear to wear it in the next week or two. Um, so yeah, stay five pound. What an investment. What an investment. And you're rocking the podcast as well. Um, but praise and place, guys. Tom. I can sit here and give you praise all week, but I want to hear your praise for someone else. Um, but who was in your praise and place this week? Well, before I start, I just want to clarify, because you said I'm sat here in an 0102 Borough kit. I'm not. It's just the shirt. I'm not <laughs> oh, sat here like some sort of full oh, yeah. kit wanker. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you could be. You, you could have been. You could have the socks on and all sorts. Um, boots. Def- definitely yeah, not. I prom- promise that to all of our listeners. Um, <laughs> but... Um, my present place pick this week, and it might seem a little bit kind of out there considering he's already been mentioned a few questions ago, but Isaiah Jones, it's not necessarily because of anything he's done kind of like attacking-wise or anything like that. I just feel like he is getting back up to the level that he was playing at when, when he first broke into the team. I think it can get overlooked as well because of as a as an overall how poor we were yesterday. But no one's really, I didn't see any one bit of criticism from anyone saying Jones isn't running at his man or anything like that. He is now, and he's tracking back and he's winning those defensive duels like he was when he first broke into the team and he looked quicker. I think once the team is more settled and, and you know, everything's in place, if, if Jones is still within that team, I think he's going to be showing exactly the, the type of form he is capable of. Like I say, it, it's a low bar for, for this one and. You know, it, it's not necessarily because of anything he did in terms of attacking output yesterday. Obviously, he missed a chance. He, he did square a, a decent couple of balls across, though. But I think he is getting back there, and I'm going to be really interested to see where he ends up in the next few weeks. So do I. Um, it could be anywhere. But yeah, good, good mention out because as I Jones wasn't in mind, but that's a good point. Dana, who's in? your praise and place this week i'm gonna praise a moment and then an attribute so my moment is dan barlas's pass in the build-up to the second goal against Huddersfield. was it sammy silveras mm. honestly what a ping when i think of midfielders taking an influence or having an influence on a game from deep i think of that type of pass 
And also another one, actually, Hayden Hackney's pass for the red card, Daisy Cutter, lovely, just so satisfying to watch that just fly ever so slightly over the top of the grass, really good. And then uh, the attribute, Senny Dieng's distribution, let's talk about that for a second. Mm. Very, very good. Better than Zach Steffens. I'll put it out there. Better than Zach, different to Zach Steffens, but better than Zach Steffens, in my opinion. So I am a big fan of Senny Dieng's distribution. So I'll put that in the praise of place as well. Yeah. And I was going to say, Balas's second assist way threads it through for Jones as well. That was lovely too. He had a, he had a, a great evening, uh, Dan Balas uh, midweek. Um, obviously, after the Millwall game, where we're getting loads of questions about how poor he was, he pulled out two assists. So, well, sorry, was Silvera's goal the equaliser? I think it was, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry, not the second goal, the first one. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Uh, all right. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And, and my uh, present place. It is Senny Dieng, I was to say, yeah, like from the distribution side of things, I was like very impressed yesterday. Um, I, I was against Millwall and I was definitely a uh, miss against Coventry. His long range kicking is fantastic. And also, yeah, he's, he's quick off his line. It looks like a really good bit of business. And, um, you know, I think 1.5 to 2 million for, from him. And if you can try and find a profile similar to Zach Steffen, that is exactly that. And I think he's been a really good purchase so far. I'm quite happy with it. I think Bora fans should be happy too. I've heard nothing, but you know, I've heard nothing is not being his fault once yet. And normally, mm. when you concede uh, four goals in two games, you're getting a lot of stick, but none of it's happened to Sandy Dieng. So, yeah, that must be something good for Bora fans. But yeah, for me, um, he's in my present place because he's he just looks really good uh, at the moment. Yeah, but mainly because of his distribution, like you were saying there, Dana. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk about news of the week, Dana, uh, because Borough have been mentioned and well, hoping to sign some players this week. And also there's one person that could potentially be leaving. So what's been happening uh, in the world of Borough? Yeah, so Borough set to sign Lucas Engel from uh, Silkborg for 2.5 million euros left back. We will, of course, do a lot down on him. But um, one thing I do want to know is that he used to be a left midfielder. So that's uh, very interesting. Um, Emmanuel Latte Lath, incredible name. Um, he's set to join from Atalanta. He played at St. Gallen last season and scored 16 goals in all competitions. And then the Curse of the War Breakdown podcast, Tuba Akpom, is leaving. Uh, Lons are set to sign him. Uh, a team that finished second in League Earn last season, which I did not know because I just, my mind is back in 2009 when Leon used to rule. France yeah. with Karim Benzema and uh, free kick Janino. I don't even think he was there then, actually. He might have left. <laughs> he, he might have left before that. Iconic, but not the Janino. I do have to uh, say that. But yeah, Akpom leaving. Uh, this news broke when I was watching the red card game, but uh, 11 million euros, supposedly. So um, yeah, we can have our thoughts on that fee, uh, as I'm sure we will, when we dedicate a whole podcast to his departure. I know. Sam Morty first, now to Rackpom. I know, yeah. Why do we just curse things we love, you know? Like, why? <laughs> why? I don't get it. Because I'm on here. Well, yeah, true. That is true. Yeah. And just, well, look, guys, if you, you are listening to this podcast or you're watching us, just, just think, if, if Dana ever offers your advice, just don't take it because it's just going to end up in bad luck. Uh, I'll, I'll level these off. Just don't, just, don't, just don't do it. But I kind of want to hear your thoughts on, on Tuba leaving, though, guys. I know we're going to probably bring out a show um, this week when it's all confirmed. There's going to be lowdowns on, on Lucas Angels and Emmanuel Latte laugh as well coming out probably this week when, the, when they're confirmed. But, Tom, how are you, feel? how are you feeling? Tuba is 
is going to leave the building. Yeah, what, how does it make you feel? Uh, I'm in a bit gutted, but I have kind of already made me peace with it quickly. You know, we, we've said a lot of times on this podcast, it does seem to be that we are trying to sell players on for profit and kind of emulate those types of models that, you know, Brentford and Brighton have had. I bet the fans of those two teams were gutted when they were selling players like, you know, Neil Morpai, Ollie Watkins, etc. And and they were kind of going up to the Premier League. The key thing is they replaced them. And that's where a bit of nervousness comes in. I think this is going to be a test for the recruitment team. Sky had a graphic on yesterday. I think we've lost something like 58 goals from last season. And we've obviously 50, lost... I think it was. Yeah, yeah. 50 goals from, from last season. We've lost Giles's assists, which I think we have tried to to replace in the attacking midfielders that we've brought in. And, you know, Balassa getting uh, a run in the team as well. We need to replace those those goals, and it's it's obvious they're not going to come from from Crooks and Rogers being in the in the forward positions. It is going to be a test. Hopefully, Laugh can come in and and make an impact quite quickly. But we're, we're going to need more options in those areas. So, for me, it's important that this fee is reinvested, and and that we bring in the types of players who can replace those goals. Absolutely. Dan, what, what do you think as well? Yeah, it felt inevitable really that Tuba was going to leave. I think I probably held that opinion midway through the summer when there was, there was basically nothing about a contract extension. I don't know what's gone on. I don't know whether it's a case of, well, I think it's obvious that Tuba enjoys playing here, that he enjoys working under Michael Carrick, but I also think it's true that he will want to test himself. And when an opportunity presents itself to him to play in the Champions League, let's not kid ourselves. Let's take our Borough rose-tinted spectacles off. We do not compare to a Champions League team and a team that finished second in a top five European division last season. So I obviously wish him all the best. There's no bitterness at all. Um, I hope he does well because I think that will also benefit Borough from an add-on perspective looking at it business-wise but it, yeah, the, I feel like the writing was on the wall for a while. It's sad, it's shit to lose your, your best performing player last season but as Tom said it's about how we reinvest it and how we replace him and I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that we can bring in the right player or two because it might not be just one player that replaces Stuart Bradbaum. Yeah, absolutely. And it feels like a breakup, to be honest, doesn't it? You know, we've, we've had that sort of roller coaster of emotions uh, for the last 12 months. And I agree with you both. I think it's a really good move for him. I'm, I'm happy for him to to take the take the plunge into to Liga and then just uh, and test himself in Champions League as well. Like, what an opportunity. You know what I mean? It's a big mm-hmm. contract. He's 28. You, you've got to take it, surely. You know, you've got yeah. to take it. I think even if you're Boris perspective as well, you can't rely on Chuba to, to hit 29 goals again this season. It's it's unsustainable. Do you know what I mean? I think I don't think we're able to do it. And there's teams that adjust to that as well. So you I think Boris perspective, you try and cash in. Chuba's perspective, he even said on this podcast how much he loved playing here. And he even said it was after the show as well, like how much he loves it as well. So I mean, there was genuine love for all of what he's doing here. But you know, you've got to Andy was genuinely injured. And yeah, yeah, he was genuinely injured. Genuinely yeah, injured. yeah, yeah. People yeah. like to create this narrative that like they're faking an injury. Like, no, they're not. They're not. Yeah. And Tuba wasn't. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So there's that as well. So, but yeah, we'll we'll bring up a show later on in the week when it's when it's all confirmed. But 
Goodbye, Tuba. Uh, thanks for everything. Um, anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about Huddersfield. Uh, then, because Borough are playing for the second time in three fixtures. This time we're at home. Uh, we don't have Brady this week. I thought it'd be a bit harsh on him to give me another voice note um, <laughs> just to say like the similar things that he spoke about last week. But, Tom, it's very, very early on. Neil Warnock is our kryptonite. What, is, it quite, is it vital that we get a win on Saturday? Because I feel like that would put a lot of doubters to bed. I feel like it's vital for you because it's Neil Warnock in the other dugout. So. <laughs> I hate him so much. Uh, um, I do. I'm going to stop just short of saying like it's you know vital must win because I would reserve that for something where something's on the line, whether that's mm. you know getting automatic promotion places, playoffs, staying up, etc. But I, I do think it is important to to get a win next week. You know we we haven't seen score a league goal this season. Now you got a chance against Huddersfield at the Riverside to do that. Hopefully we can have some signings in by then. And I, I understand it, it, they're probably going to have about six days training. If Engels and Laugh are signed this week, I would have them both from the starting 11 straight away just for some balance in the team. Engels, you know, can slot straight in at left back and Hopefully we can kind of recreate what we were doing last year with Giles in terms of having an attacking threat at left back as as well as other areas of the pitch. And then Laff, it, it just makes sense to have an actual out-and-out striker in that position like Laff or Marcus Force. But, uh, you know, Marcus Force isn't going to happen apparently. So, yeah, may as well get Laff in there. So, yeah, I, 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 I think... I think next next Saturday it, it is important just for the morale of of the fans, maybe even the morale of the team to to get that win. But I'm not going to panic if we don't if it's like a one one draw or something like that. But I, obviously we we want to win every game, so yeah, just hopefully hopefully we can we can win and win comfortably next Saturday. I hope so too. I can't I can't lose to Warwick again. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it myself. It's four. It's going to be the four, two, three, one. Long ball the channels, nice and compact. Man, man marking. You know exactly Classic. what you're going to get. And you just told the lads s- to enjoy it, Johnny. Just told the lads wow. to go out there and enjoy it by being disciplined, dear. Um. Anyway, <laughs> Dana, how many changes do you think we'll make then? Do you think the new boys, or if they are involved, of course, they, don't, they might not have been. They might have signed, but do you think we'll make many changes to to the game or not? I hope so. Uh, my team for that game is Dieng, McNair, Fry, Lenahan, and Engel if he is here. But if not, then it's going to have to be Coulson. Housen and Hackney is the is the double pivot. And then Force on the right. Funny, I've been clamouring about him being through the middle. I haven't put him through the middle in this. Then Rogers number 10, McGree on the left, and then actually Silvera up front, just because I think we need somebody to be able to stretch the play. Or obviously, if uh, Emmanuel Latielath is is in, then him uh, in place of Silvera. Okay, then well, let's move on to predictions then. Um, Tom, what are you predicting? Do you think it'll be a win, a draw, a loss, match abandoned? What do you think? I want two 0 Borough win. Two 0 Borough win. Goal scorers. Um, if he's signed by then, we'll have to get one on his debut, and then probably Force as well. Okay, oh, um, Emmanuel gets the latte laugh. I'm not going to even comment on that. Um, <laughs> to be honest, uh, anyway, I hope the listeners really 
really had that same thought of mine and just go, wow, like this is this is up there with Harry Potter and the Wizard of Oz. I know, not that I mention. Oh, I forgot that existed. Uh, you know, I thought you were gonna say, oh, it's like a bit of like a force, like a like force laugh. Like and I thought, oh, here we go, like good play on, like you know what I mean? But then no, you have to go back anyway. Then a prediction. Who thinks gonna score? Are we gonna win, lose, draw, match abandoned? I'm gonna say two nil Borat. Hackney and Rogers, and you know what? From this point onwards, I'm going to predict predict Rogers to score until he does. So, yeah, Rogers oh, no. and Hackney. This is a new all in on Lanahan, isn't it? It's gonna. Oh God, just don't <laughs> start putting money on it, Dana. Please. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna. I just want. I just want to go with a one 0 win. I just want us to want anything. I don't care if it goes up someone's backside. I just want us to score, get three points, and that's it. I hate these type of games, but yeah, I hope I just hope we win. <laughs> please, please, bar, please win. But guys, uh, thank you very much uh, for joining me. As always, to the listeners and the viewers, do give us uh, a five star rating on your podcast provider, thumbs up on YouTube, subscribe, do all that fun stuff that helps us get charted in the podcast charts. But also, don't forget to buy our Bora Breakdown shirt. Don't forget to look out for Bruce clothing as well. But for right now, Bora lose back to back games since 0708. There's plenty to do. But it's okay. We can sit back, relax, have a latte, have a laugh, and love Engels instead. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and that was like a Borough Mash Day chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 